0: So, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, I hear the word of God. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your might. And your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The grass withers and the flower fades, but Scripture says the word of the Lord endures forever. So tonight we're looking at the more general concept of a friendship and relationship. And when it comes to the way that uh, guys and girls uh, relate to one another, it's a very, there's a very ancient question, right? Going back through through the ages and cultures have answered it different ways and different times. Uh, But there's the question of guys and girls, can they be just friends, right? Um, Can they be just friends or is there always some level of either sexual or romantic uh, interest, at least on one party or the other? Uh, Karen Smiling, she remembers a conversation that we had uh, like this back when we were students, I think before we were uh, dating and while we were just friends at that point, and now here we are married, so I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> uh, platonic love is how it's sometimes described. Um, it's the idea of just a, a non-sexual, non-romantic friendship between guys and girls. Ancient question. Um, maybe the more uh, current question of the day, and in our uh, culture now, the way things go, kind of kind of presses that question a step further. Um, can uh, guys and girls have non-romantic, uncommitted sexual friendship? Right. Uh, the whole idea, in other words, the, the friends uh, with benefits uh, idea, friends who are sex friends, right? Friends who can hook up with with no strings attached. <laughs> We've all got these physical desires, things we long for, and so, hey, we're friends. We can just be comfortable with one another, and uh, this can happen, right? Um, I got a couple uh, articles that that talked about this, one from New York Times, one from Fox News. There was a a study um, back in 2007 of Michigan State University students, uh, and there was... 60% 60, uh, 60% of guys and girls out of only 125, but 60% out of 120 uh, guys and girls on the, on the campus I uh, surveyed uh, reported having at least one friends with benefit relationship. Uh, uh, another book that, I, that I've looked at talks about uh, that, that of, of sexual relationships among 18 to 23-year-olds, about, uh, about one in four is about sexual desire only and not romance. Um, not, not aiming for romance um, here's one of these quotes this uh, Michigan State uh, study confirmed the previous findings that, that most college students report having had at least one such uh, relationship uh, it says uh, friends with benefits have become a cultural signature of today's college and post-college experience I don't know what you're thinking about. It's a cultural signature, Friends with Benefits. Uh, It says earlier, uh, to some, it may seem like an ideal relationship, Uh, less stressful than an affair, longer lived than a fling, or that elusive one-night stand. You can even sit around in your sweats and watch Friends reruns together, feeling vaguely reassured. Um, I guess there's something about sweats and Friends with Benefits. (laughs) Because uh, this other article, maybe it was just, uh, you know, biting off, off the one, uh, <laughs> describes it this way. Uh, offering more action than the casual fling, friends with benefits require little time investment, zero seduction effort, minimal emotional responsibility, and no maintenance of com- of commitment. Or so the notion goes. It offer also offers sex with someone you actually know and like. All you need is five minutes, your sexiest sweats, <laughs> protection, and you're good to go. <clears throat> Uh, so that's the, the maybe the current question. This idea of uh, of sexual sex friends, friends with benefits. Um, uh, is it is it possible? Is it really possible to have? Certainly attempted. Right, there's there's the statistical evidence for you. Is it possible to have a a, a non uh, a non-romantic uh, but still sexually active friendship? Um, I don't know what you think. Was I look at that? I think. There seems to be a little bit of confusion about, about love, of how we understand this, of what it, what it looks like, how we relate to one another. Um, and I'm not saying that, that we're, you know, worse than Forrest Gump, because Forrest Gump knows what love is. Um, but I want us to kind of come, come to this passage and say, okay, do we, do we know uh, what love is? Is it, is it sexual? Does it have to be sexual, or can it be non-sexual? Does it have to be romantic, or is it non-romantic? Are these different things if we talk about it those ways? Uh, in Luke 10, as we're looking about it, Jesus tells a parable. This is a, a very much a non-sexual uh, uh, description here. But he tells us parable, he tells a story, and his focus is about love. It's about uh, loving your loving your neighbor. Scripture tells us what love looks like. That's what I want us to see as we kind of go through that. In uh, some way you could say, tonight we're, we're asking the question, uh, can you love your neighbor without... Loving your neighbor in that desperate housewives, all too common uh, scenario sort of way. Um, what is love? Uh, what is friendship? Uh, even saying, how do you love? And as the lawyer asking this passage, who's my neighbor? Who are we supposed to love and relate to? So we're going to look at this passage, and we're just going to take two different sides of it, two, two different angles on how Jesus uh, presents uh, this. We're going to look at uh, first selfish love, and then a self-giving love. Uh, first, a, not a picture of what it's not, and maybe what it really is. So, so first of all, a selfish love. I hope some of you are already going like, no, you can't. You can't say selfish love, right? I mean, it's a... It's a contradiction. You want to object to that. Um, I think, yeah, it is a it is a contradiction to talk about selfish love. But at the same time, I think it's a contradiction that's often exactly how we live, exactly how we relate in things. Oftentimes we act loving and concerned for people, but really we're concerned with um, what we get for ourselves. How this relationship is going to affect us, our life, our week, our day, Um and so on. We're selfish. So Jesus tells this parable about a, a man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and got uh, robbed and was left there. Um, you have a few different characters. And a few of these, a few of these characters uh, act as foils for true love. They're, they're showing uh, selfish love, if you will. They're, they're, they're not showing love. They're not showing mercy. It's particularly the word, how they show is compassion or mercy. And what you see is they're, they're selfish. Or oh, particularly, their, their self their concern. They're concerned primarily for their own well being, for how they relate to this other person. You see the a priest and the Levite here. Um, so the man goes down, and uh, he's on this road, and robbers attack him. He's left a half dead, and then first comes by this priest, and then comes by a Levite, and then finally a Samaritan, which would have been one of the those are the people that we don't like and and the others maybe we thought we'd get something from and not the Samaritan and Jesus turns around. So what I want to do is just give you a uh, like a modern version of a parable. I'm not saying this is what Jesus was saying but just to try to bring it into a different scenario. I think it's kind of fun you can sit with this uh, sit with this parable and say what are some other scenarios of of how this would look Um, of what what maybe selfishness would would look like and avoid and what really self-giving God would would do instead. So and develop it other ways if you want to, but here's my modern version of the parable. Instead of a a man uh, going down to uh, Jericho, um, a girl heading out to the club, heading out to the bars um, Thursday night, right? Thursday nights nice going out night, you gotta get out on Thursday night. Um, so, a girl heading out to the club, and she is very attractive. Um, and she is uh, dressed to the nines, uh, right? She's she's made She's got the sexy dress on. She's got the uh, shoes that go with it. She put all the uh, makeup and the glitter stuff and like you know all, all this. Like she's she's ready to go. The perfume, the fragrance for this. I, I don't know, right? But she's she's all set up. She's she's out there um, because she's looking for attention uh, because she wants to know uh, that she's desirable that people are interested in her. Uh, and so she's there, but the reason she's there, in some ways, from her past, is because she's never been loved. That uh, she's been in lots of relationships, uh, one after another after another, um, but then left cold, uh, or left hurt, or rejected. Um, and and she's there, wanting something more, uh, but wanting some way of feeling connected, related to, cared about, desirable, wanted. So there she is, and by chance, as it is in the parable for the, uh, for the uh, priest, by, by chance a Christian guy uh, is out there at the, the club and he looks over and sees her, and he, he, he notices her, she's very attractive, this he notices her, uh, and he wants her, and he realizes that she's paying attention to him noticing her. But then he thinks... Now if I go over there with her, I know where that's going to lead, and that's going to be wrong. Uh, So he leaves. And she feels not good enough, not desirable enough uh, to get him to even come over and talk to her. So likewise, the second uh, Christian guy comes up and sees her, but he goes over and talks with her, and then... Yeah, they're just kind of talking, and then they're, then they're flirting, um, dancing, or whatever, and, and talking, and they end up shacking up. Uh, but then that's the end of it. He never, he never calls. Um, kind of avoids going back to that place in case he meets her. Uh, doesn't return any of her calls or texts. All of a sudden, she's not uh, showing up on for Facebook anymore. He's blocked her out, or whatever things. Right? And how, how does that leave her feeling? Rejected, used. And then there's a third guy comes up, uh, sees her there, and he walks right over and says, "Girl, you look gorgeous, uh, and that is a sexy dress that you're that you're wearing. Who who made that? Who's the designer? And those shoes that you got there, <laughs> right? And they they start talking and um, uh, enjoy one another. And it turns out that that he's gay, but he relates to her loneliness. And relates to her feeling rejected. And they talk and they hang out and they enjoy one another's company and they swap numbers and they get lunch the next day. Um, and all of a sudden she has a friend. And she has someone who cares uh, about her and she's not worried about how he's going to treat her. Well, that's my modern version of the, of the parable. Which of these do you think proved to be A neighbor? Right? Our, our typical way of operating in a relationship is selfish. That's, that's what I want you to see. Uh, how how are we, we look and we say, how is my relating to this person going to affect me? I'm not first looking for, for what does it do for them. We're saying, how is this going to affect me? Um, may, some of you may not like me using the parable that way. Listen, for, for some women, the only relationship that they've had uh, with a guy where they weren't objectified... Uh, where they didn't know that they were at least often thought of as something that was who was, that was simply potentially to to please a man. Um, one of the only relationships has been with a gay guy, uh, and that's that, that's sad. But there's a way that they can feel safe there in a different way from a lot of other relationships. I mean, right, have you seen uh, gay guys around really beautiful women, like amazingly gorgeous uh, women, and they're just comfortable and talking? And relating, and they're not like caught up like a lot of other guys and like their tongue stuck in their throat, ugly, <laughs> don't know what to say, right? Or else you're going to come in, you've got to be the smooth operator, know the right thing to say. It's like, ah, right? Um, but they can just be comfortable uh, and relating. This is good. Like, go gay guys, right? Uh, like, maybe that they uh, they possibly will love women uh, better, than, uh, better than, than you will. Um, Hey, guys, I just want you to think about the ways that you do this. There's all kind of other ways that aren't sexual at all that are with guys and girls and, and whatever different things. But think about the ways that you do this. Even the way that you that you look at a girl, even just walking across campus or just hanging out with people in RUF or whatever it is. Um, how does it make her feel? Does it make her feel desirable? Why does it make her feel desirable? In what way? Um Uh, Who you talk to? How you talk to them? Why you talk to them? Uh, The way you look at them does it make them feel? uh, Does it make her feel valuable? How does it make her feel valuable? For for what purpose? Notice for what reason? Um, Girls, same thing to you. I mean, you can take the parable, turn it around, give a different version of it. This is this is you as well. This is all of us. We tend toward this uh, selfishness. It's not. You know, the old saying was, you know, girl, guys lust and girls uh, long to be lusted after. And there, there's truth there, and there's truth that also girls lust. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, you you notice the cute guy. You notice the way he smiles, uh, and you notice the way his body looks, uh, and you're you're interested, and you you want him to to call you, maybe. I can. <laughs> 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 uh, Sometimes that's physically. Uh, sometimes that's emotionally. Um, for what you would get from him emotionally, someone to care for you, uh, someone to someone to text you, someone to actually take you out, I'll treat you well, buy you flowers, I dote on you. You want to you want to be able to get security in that relationship, the feeling of of belonging out to him, known by him, desired by him, of being with him. Listen, it affects the the whole way that we view uh, other people, uh, friendships, uh, relationships, acquaintances, uh, and everything else. We look at is it is this someone with whom I'm going to uh, gain status uh, by being in their company, or gain just uh, relation relating by this, or other friends through them, even physical desire, like the, the the way that we tend to look at other people. Like why we why we're friends with some people and not friends with other people is often because. <laughs> What that would get for, for us, how that how that works out for us. Um, I, I'll admit, uh, and I have been on Florida State's campus. One of my uh, one of my pastimes when I was an undergraduate, um, just you know, had a little time, was just uh, walking around campus, right. Um, and I would describe it as just walking around campus, giving and getting looks, I right? Just just noticing people and seeing what people maybe notice me, right. Uh, walking around and looking and and. Uh, I don't think I even paid that much attention to it. I mean, I knew it was just kind of a little bit fun sometimes to walk around campus. Um, And then senior year, Karen and I get engaged. Um, And then I'm walking around campus. And all of a sudden, it just feels weird to notice people or look at people. Because what's happened, I've learned that the way I'm looking at people is you might potentially be mine or I might potentially be yours. Or what kind of interest do we have with one another? And now I'm saying, there's someone that I want to be hers, and I want her to be mine, and, I, and, and that's not other people in that. Um, but I had so trained myself that this is, this is what other people's worth was, or how we relate, um, that I didn't know just how to look at someone who was walking down the sidewalk and be nice and friendly without that being weird, uh, I remember talking with some of the uh, some of the girls uh, in seminary. Went straight from college to seminary, and there's guys and girls that are there in seminary. Uh, and some of the uh, girls that were there would talk about how none of the guys would talk to them. Uh, you know, guys that are married or not, or the, or the single guys would like come all over to talk to them. and The married guys would just like avoid them. Um, I've talked with girls who said it makes it makes me feel not wanted. It makes me feel like I'm the one that's dangerous. Um, that I'm going to mess something up in this. And, um, and listen, it's, but the way that you that you look at people, um, the whole effect, the, the selfishness affects the whole holistically how we relate to people, uh, and it trains you in a certain way um, that uh, that might not be the way that you want to be relating relating to them. Um, listen, selfish love is not love. I know you knew that from the beginning, but to bring it out, selfish love is not love. Uh, we're mutually using one another. And the fact that it's mutual uh, doesn't make it not using one another. Uh, put it another way, self, uh, selfish interest coinciding is not what love is. Hey, you have the selfish interest, and I have the selfish interest, and it works together. Uh, we love it. We're using each other. Um, friends with benefits, uh, not love. Um, there's this book, uh, Unhooked, by Laura Sessions Steph, who, who did a lot of uh, interviews with um, with young girls, and one comment that she makes in there is. Uh, um, i to talk about just the, the freedom and sex and relationships uh, you know, after uh, sexual protection, these things. And then she makes this comment after she hears from girl after girl and some of the pain that they've gone through from these uh, relationships and the breakup and the hurt from a, from a sexual relationship. She makes this comment that there's, there's no condom for the heart. There's, there's nothing that you just get to put on that protects your heart, uh, being engaged uh, and, then, and then cut, hurt, um, the pain of it. Um, selfish love's not not love. Um, I, I found it fascinating um, when uh, um, yeah the movies came out. Friends with benefits with uh, uh, Justin Timberlake and um, I don't know Miley Cyrus yeah um, and the uh, No Strings Attached. Um, uh, yeah uh, yeah asking Kutcher and, and whoever the but y'all know better me. Okay <laughs> you know the movies I'm talking about. Um, Karen, and I, Karen and I were watching those and I uh, found it found it fascinating. Like, okay, how I was wondering, like, okay, where's the storyline gonna go? Here's it's a romantic comedy, but it's taken on this uh this context of friend, this you know sexual, non-romantic relationship and how it's gonna turn out. Um and that that what they did with the storyline is take this sexually active friendship that's not romantic, and then for the story to work, what do they have to do? Oh I mean, there's all the drama of what if it doesn't work out? Because they know that the heart gets involved. Um, there's a, we're holistic as a people and, and and so it turns romantic and then they match up and it's more than just a sexual relationship but that's there's something more that we're longing for um, <clears throat> listen the lawyer uh, you look at it in verse 29 he, he asks this question Jesus asked him like uh, uh, you know how do you answer it of what's uh, what's required to inherit eternal life that's what's on the on the line right salvation what does, what does this look like Um Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, great. Go. Go do that. I like, uh, uh, he's a lawyer, so he's got this under control, right? Uh, so I love the way the text says in verse 29, uh, desiring to justify himself, desiring to show that he, was, that he was still in the right, that he was still uh, just according to the standards, uh, he said to Jesus, just a little question, who is my neighbor? comes down uh, to the end of it. <clears throat> he gets the point of Jesus' story. It's the one that showed mercy and compassion. And Jesus still says to him, Go, yeah, do likewise. At the end of it, he realized he's, he's not just. He's not in the right. He's not justified uh, by this. Even with the refinements and ease, he's still guilty. We're, we're still guilty. Oh, we haven't loved our neighbor. We haven't loved our neighbor as, our, as ourself. Uh, even even others in RUF or whatever. That's selfish love, um, or it's just selfishness. Uh, But there's another type of love described in the Bible that's not uh, selfish. It's a self-giving love, a second angle that we're taking on the passage. Selfish love and now a self-giving love. The the Bible describes love as actually something totally different. It's not about what you get from a relationship. Uh, Love is giving self uh, to another, a uh, giving of yourself to another. Right? You look at the story. Here's the here's the good. Here's the Samaritan uh, as he walks by and he sees him. What does he do? He has compassion. Uh, he sees the other, the other person's situation. He sees uh, the pain of it, the tragedy of it, the difficulty that are in, and he cares about it. And he doesn't just go, "Oh, I care." about it. he cares about this in such a way uh, that he acts. He binds up his wounds, pours on oil and wine. I mean that. <coughs> Must have been kind of an awkward, uh, awkward situation, a lot of effort to, to put into things. And he, he sits him on his own animal, uh, gives him the more important place, and takes him to the end, takes care of him, uses his own money uh, to be able to pay for for the guy, and he's going to come back uh, later to make sure the guy's taken care of while he's gone, but he's still coming back. He's not just leaving. like I, I did a lot. I did way more than like most people would have done, and I'm just leaving this here. Uh, but he's, he's coming back, continuing to take care of the person. It's his, his desire. Um, you see how much it cost him, the, the risk involved. Those robbers are still there. The, the time, the energy, the emotion, uh, the money. And what did he get from it? What would the Samaritan get out of it? Uh, you know, sometimes we say, oh, but you'll you know, do, do these kind of service things and you'll feel better about yourself. <laughs> okay, there's a certain level of truth there for that goes a little ways, but it didn't go very far. Um, when you start counting the cost of doing something like this, and how do you feel you know, from that? If we're, and that's just doing it for ourselves if we do. Um, he, he got nothing uh, that we see in the parable, but he gave much. Uh, love is showing compassion. It's showing mercy. It, it's, it's showing a kindness when it wasn't deserved uh, at all. That's mercy. Caring for another, for, deeply for another situation and how it's affected them. Um, seeking to help uh, regardless of whether they deserve it. Or regardless of if it works out well for you, Phew, that's hard. Uh, that kind of love, treating other people that way, that's that's difficult. But I want you to see that ultimately the parables shown something, shown something more with that. Uh, the way that Jesus answers this, uh, and, and the way that you sit this context in the rest, the uh, rest of the narrative of the gospel, it's shown something more that ultimately uh, we're the neighbors who need mercy who need to be shown uh, mercy and compassion. And we've been beaten or robbed or left half dead by whether it's the problems around us or also our, our own sin and the consequences of it or Satan's assault or our past and experience. Um, and, and we can't say that we've, that we've done so much good that we deserve to be helped because the, the passage has already shown us about ourselves that we're not justified. It's not that we've loved other people and not been selfish. Uh, but there's one who's shown mercy, uh, that Jesus uh, ha- has made us, as his neighbors, has shown a uh, love and mercy and compassion uh, to us. Uh, here's John 3.16, God so loved the world uh, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, uh, but have eternal life. First um, John four uh, says it d- describes for us what love is or an aspect of. It. He says, "And this is love, not that we've loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the covering over our sins." He says, "Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another." Um, God, loved, it's not that God like. It was he doing it to get something in return, right? It's a giving of himself. It's a giving of his son. Uh, and in such a way for, for, for love to be covering over our sin, uh, covering over our shame, uh, and welcoming us into a relationship uh, with him, reconciling us out of our sin, drawing us to himself. As we look at the passage, we, we go, okay, have we gone and done likewise? Um. And the first answer is, is no. We're, we're not justified, but we get to be justified in Jesus. We get to receive a mercy and love for his, from His death. Him taking on our shame. Him taking on our guilt at cost to Him. A loving and showing mercy. And Jesus doesn't just leave us there. Um, in, in Jesus, believers are motivated and empowered to show a love and mercy, to, to love one another, because the very Spirit of Christ is placed in believers and working out uh, that attitude, that mindset, and those actions uh, from us. I think we like to just talk about love, that love is a good thing, that it's a positive value, we should all love... Um, but, but love's like the hardest thing. Lo- like just being told to love your neighbor as yourself uh, it has got to be like the hardest of the commands to be able to do. Um, I think Karen is absolutely amazing. Uh, and I think it's a privilege that I get to spend my life with her and have a family with her and all these things. And, but I wish that I loved her better than I do. Um, And and if I'm just being told to love my my neighbor, like, so give of my time, my energy, my resources, my emotion for, like, whoever random person that I happen to, like, walk by on campus, um, uh, I don't know how to do that. Where's that that come from? Right? But Jesus builds this desire uh, in his people and draws us into this pattern of relationship, uh, of self-giving love. Sometimes you can think about it and go, "What does that even look like? Uh, how do we how do we even do that?" So put on there for you, First Corinthians thirteen, a uh, few different verses uh, describing love, right? And the, the context of this passage, the, the love passage in First Corinthians thirteen, uh, it's not a romantic love. How many times read it wedi- read at weddings? And it's great to have it read at a wedding, uh, but it's but it, but it relates to all relationships. It's, it's just how we how we act with one another. Says so love is patient. Uh, Old King James always says there, long-suffering. Love is long-suffering and and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. (sighs) Um, it's, It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, something that we're only able to do by the Spirit of Christ—the work within us, right? The fruit of the Spirit uh, at work in, in believers. The fruit of the Spirit is first thing, love, uh, patience, kindness—all all these things. Um, so, so who's your neighbor? Right. Not to not to justify yourself now, uh, but to say, okay, what's what's Christ calling me to? Uh, Having been loved and received mercy from Christ, if we'll come to him, uh, then then who's your neighbor? Um, Well, I mean, start with the easy thing, like your roommate. Your roommate counts as your neighbor. Um, And not just the one that you enjoy hanging out with. It's really fun and you you go out and do stuff. uh, But uh, the annoying one. The one that always comes in late, uh, turns on their music, uh, cranks down the the A.C., uh, doesn't ever clean up the showers that other people have to do, or the sweet mate on the other side, right? Yes, that's the person that you're supposed to be like, what do they need? How can I give of myself in order to care for them? Phew, right? Um, Classmates. Have you you stopped to notice the people around you in your classes? Um, Who they are? Uh, remember remember their names uh, sometimes, interact with them, talk with people after class. Um, crazy thing, you could pray for people in your class. You could also actually talk to them, invite them to REF. invite them to church, or Just, just actually get to know them. Buy them lunch and say, who are you? People are lonely. Um, okay, that would be awkward, right? <laughs> talk about the weather, football, and then, you know, get to know. Um, your neighbors in RUF to love one another in uh, your churches that you're there. I know it's weird when you're a college student, you're in a new church, in a new place, and you don't know people. Um, don't just cluster up with other college students. Talk to other college students, but go meet some adult and be like, I'm new in your church. Um, what is this place? Uh, that'll be good. Um, it, it'll be good for you, but don't just do it because it'll be good for you. Um, there's other people at church that, that are needing your presence. You're, you're helping. Um, yes, your your boyfriend, your girlfriend uh, counts as loving loving your neighbor. Um, and, and this is the type of self-giving love uh, that it's supposed to be. Um, not a selfishness, even that love interest that you have, random acquaintance. And to begin to look at it, not just for what might the, might this do for me. How might this go? Um, let the gospel affect how you look people, how you look at people. Um... Who you'll decide to talk to, and spend time talking to when it's really awkward, or that you'll still go up to the person that you think is cooler than you because you're still going to talk to them because they need, you want to interact with them. Um, it affects uh, who you send text messages to, or how you send text messages, or Facebook messages, or uh, or, or the blog posts that you make, or whatever. Right? Everyone has their own blog. I hate blog. Um, I don't hate your blog. Um, I just don't like that. Um, listen, there, there's one who has uh, shown mercy. Uh, the mercy that we need uh, because we haven't, we haven't risen to the standard of the law and what's required for eternal life. If we haven't risen to the standard of what's required for eternal life, if we haven't gone and done likewise, then we deserve to just be thrown out. Um, but there's one who's shown mercy A love to us when it was undeserved, a compassion and kindness to us. And it meant uh, Jesus going uh, through uh, the rejection of the Father on the cross, uh, suffering the penalty of our shame, suffering the penalty of our guilt, um, crucified and dead, uh, but then raised victorious over it. To call us into something new, a new relationship with Him, with God, through Him, and a new way of, of living in the world. A new way of relating to other people it was undeserved uh, from him, but costly to him. He calls us to reflect the same thing. Uh, I'll put it this way. Uh, as far as how, for how you relate to other people, uh, he set the limit uh, for love. Right? I mean, sometimes like things just go, and there's so much back and forth. I'm like, okay, that's enough. I've had it up to here. Right? Well, here's the limit Jesus set for love. Uh, when, when someone else requires more of you uh, than you required of Jesus, uh, then you don't have to love them anymore. And you don't have to reach out for them or do something to them. Uh, but if the standard of what, what Jesus has done for you continues to outweigh, which is always what you've what other people have done to you, he's calling us out to love. It's the fruit of the Spirit that, that loves, that we would be those who show love and mercy because Christ has justified us. So I want you to continue to ask from this passage and through this week as you go around talking to people, do you know what love is? Or do you, do you show what love is? Uh, both of these articles that I was reading from earlier um, uh, point ag- uh, against friends with benefits, that it's unfulfilling, that it doesn't work. That the, even the titles are uh, um, Friends with Benefits and Stress Too. We say we're not going to worry over it, and then there's all this anxiety that comes with it. Friends with Benefits, a bum uh, deal. Uh, selfish love—it doesn't even doesn't even work. Um, it still just leaves us uh, in that place. But there, there is a love with no strings attached. Uh, that is that is the gospel. Uh, the second commandment fulfilled uh, by Christ it also empowers us uh, to love.